When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way. Make sure that you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me. Every thumbs up puts this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. And that is the single biggest thing that you can do to help out the show. What's up, everyone? Hope that you guys are having a fantastic Wednesday night. I'm excited about today's show because this Cowboys-Jets game is looking like a fun one. In the betting world, the Cowboys are favorites by nine and a half points. And you understand why pretty easily. Obviously, the Jets are not going to have Aaron Rodgers at their disposal but you look at what happened last week with Zach Wilson, and you understand right away that the Cowboys' pass rush is going to put him in danger. It's really going to cause some trouble for the New York Jets quarterback. And I was watching some tape from week one, and obviously it's too early in the season. You see a lot of crazy stuff, exotic stuff. But these defensive fronts from Dan Quinn, they keep getting more and more fun. This offseason, we heard about how they were going to use Leighton Vanderesh on the edge. And we thought about, hey, that could mean Vanderesh is going to be a good pass rusher for the Cowboys, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's mostly Dan Quinn trying to manipulate opponents' pass protection schemes. And there's one play that I think exemplified that pretty good, and that is the Stephon Gilmore interception play. I mean, that's one of many crazy defensive fronts that we saw throughout the game. But we're going to get into a little bit of a film room segment again this Wednesday night. We're going to talk briefly about all that. And then we'll talk about one particular number that worries me for Zach Wilson. There's one statistic that goes to show how much fun the Cowboys can have on Sunday versus the Jets. We'll also react to the Brandon Cooks injury. And towards the end of the show, I'm going to tell you, call me crazy, but, and I'm going to share a take after watching the whole old 22 uh, today and yesterday. But before we get into the film room, let me say hi very quickly here in the chat. We've got Toxic saying next, we will see Hunter Lipke playing nickel corner. And man, <laughs> I feel that in my bones. <laughs> that is how crazy. Dan Quinn is acting right now. Hey, shout out to Lauri Valeria Diego, who is here in the chat. You know her as Mrs. Mo. Shout out to her. A Steelers fan in the chat. Uh, Bruce says, Vegas ain't wrong often. Ronnie says, just waiting on the Jets game. It is going to be awesome. What's up, John? Thank you for joining the show. We've got Steve here on the show as well. We've got Gregory 
already dropping a prediction saying 31 to 7. Stephen White in the chat as well, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all. Thank you all for joining the show. Let's get into the film room segment, shall we? So this is the Stephon Gilmore interception. I'm sorry about the quality with the buttons and everything, but I couldn't do anything about it. Let's roll the clip. Here we go. Film room, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the plays of the game. Stephon Gilmore with the interception after Daniel Jones is pressured. And I want to break it down. I want to break down the work at the defensive front. Because to me, this is proof that Dan Quinn is an evil genius. This is proof that Dan Quinn is a mad man. And let's look at it. Micah Parsons is lined up against the center. He gets the pressure in. Daniel Jones forces the football. Stephon Gilmore is there to pick it off. As simple as that. But look at the defensive front really quickly here. I'm going to pause this, and I'm sorry about the buttons right here. I cannot do anything about them, so you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. Leighton Van Der Esch is over the, all the way over here, lined up against the right tackle, essentially, at the edge. And then Jonathan Hankins, who is usually a nose tackle, is going to be lined up all the way out here as basically a 4i, which would be on the inside shoulder of the tackle. Again, we're talking about a nose tackle, and he's all the way over here. And then you've got Micah, who's going to be between the center and the right guard, showing some inside pressure. And then you've got this huge gap, right? So the center is uncovered. Basically, the guard is uncovered. And what do you know, another nose tackle, Massey Smith, first round rookie, lined up all, I mean, head up on the tackle, honestly, like a 4-I. Same, almost the same as Jonathan Hankins. There's a slight difference in their alignments, but they're on the tackles and they're nose tackles. They should be usually on top of the center or on the shoulder of the center, but they're, they're working the tackles in this play, or at least alignment-wise, they are. And Dante Fowler, all the way on the other edge. So you've got five men on the line of scrimmage against five men, if you don't count, uh, you know, Saquon or any of the, uh, the other back or Darren Waller over here. So let's watch the play here. I want you to watch Micah and how he faces this center right here. The center is going to overset to his right, and Micah is going to beat him on the inside move. Let's watch it. Boom. Gets through him. Daniel Jones has to escape the pocket. And he forces a throw. Interception by Stephon Gilmore. There's a lot to break down on this plate. First and foremost, I got to point out the fact that Micah is working with so much space on this plate. And that's by design. And we can get into the details right now. Micah gets all of that space against the center. He gets all of that one-on-one. -on -one because... Hankins and Massey, they're going to draw attention. And it's going to start with basically a stunt on the Leighton Van Der Esch and Jonathan Hankins side. So usually you'll get a end tackle stunt where the tackle goes wide and then the end ends up moving inside. That's usual work between a defensive end and a tackle. But to do it with a nose and to do it with a linebacker, is just genius work. So Jonathan Hankins is going to come crashing down to the tackle. Van Der Esch is going to try to get on the inside. But all that's going to do is just draw all of the attention from the guard and the tackle to Hankins and Van Der Esch. And they're going to be doing their thing. And suddenly what you've got is a one-on-one -on -one 
from Micah against the center, who is a rookie, who you knew coming into the game that that was somebody that you wanted to target, and that's how you get Micah Parsons there on the one-on-one. That's just a part of the story to me because you can also see Masi Smith and how he explodes to the inside. Masi's not trying to crash right here. Masi's just trying to draw the guard as far away as Mike for, from Mike as he can. And he achieves there. Uh, he achieves that. Again, Daniel Jones forces it, throws the interception. These are not, these are exotic looks, man. These are exotic looks. This is what we mean when we talk about exotic looks. The understanding of spacing from the Cowboys defense is a masterful work by the defensive coordinator. And we want to see more of that throughout the entire season. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the breakdown. Love that play. There were a lot of crazy looks from the Dan Queen defense, as usual. But still, it was pretty fun to look at Jonathan Hankins and Leighton Van Der Esch involved on a tackle and stunt. I thought that was hilarious. And even more so, did Jonathan Hankins kind of beat his man? Honestly, he didn't. Now that I think about it, like that's probably... It looks like it because Daniel Jones is rolling to his right. So that's not really on the tackle, maybe. But it was just a funny rep. It was a pretty funny rep. Uh, we've got Mark Aaron here on the chat as well. Gregory Jose saying doomsday. Katharina says uh, their offense isn't that good. Talking about the Giants, I think. So now you move on. Oh, no, I think she's talking about the Jets, actually. Uh, now you've got the New York Jets. And yes, they've got a fantastic defense. Because it's really good. I've seen some people trying to discredit them a little bit going into the into the week two matchup. I wouldn't do that. That would be disrespectful. The defensive line that the Jets have is completely legit. They've got John Franklin Myers, who had eight pressures versus the Bills on Monday night football. They had another two players recording at least five pressures. They've got Sauce Gardner. They've got a solid group of safeties. One of the best secondaries in football, in my opinion. But this game, this week two game, I don't know if the Cowboys, I don't know if the Jets are going to be able to keep up with the Cowboys. And that offensive line is still an issue. We talked about the Jets having one of the worst offensive lines coming into the season. I still believe that is the case. We're probably talking about a bottom 12 unit, no questions asked, maybe somewhere around 25th. 23rd, which is where Pro Football Focus actually ranked them. And you're going up against the Cowboys pass rush, who, which had a fantastic day on Sunday night. Uh, they had the highest pressure rate in the league by a long shot. 66% of Daniel Jones's dropbacks were under pressure. And here's the stat that I promised you guys. Here is the stat that I promised you. Out of all the qualifying quarterbacks who played in week one, a minimum of the 20% of the dropbacks, Zach Wilson had the second longest time to throw. Whoops. That's not what you want against the Dallas Cowboys. That's not what you want. Second longest time to throw belonged to Zach Wilson in week one. We're talking about a 3.13. The only man 
the only man who had a longer time to throw was this dude named Patrick Mahomes. But you see, those are different time to throws because one, it's Patrick Mahomes doing some magic, extending the play, doing something that he's done for a long time because you go look at that game, the one that they lost versus the Detroit Lions. And sure, maybe Patrick Mahomes is taking a long-ass time to throw, but when he does, he's usually doing some freak, freakish stuff. And the fact that his wide receivers were throwing the football is another story. With Zach Wilson, it's different. It's probably more chaotic. It's probably not nearly as a high-reward, high-risk, high high-reward type of game because we're talking about a player that will be making more erratic throws more erratic decisions, all of that. And I don't think that the Jets also have the answers offensively for Zach Wilson to take so long throwing the football. Now, you look at Dak Prescott's time to throw, just for perspective, and it was the fastest in the NFL in week one, 2.11 seconds. Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow round out the, the top three, which I think was interesting. So, Zach Wilson... Going to be under siege all night long, in my opinion. They have some players on offense. Let's give them that. They've got two guys that you might want to be worried about. One will be Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver, obviously. You saw him do that fantastic thing on Monday Night Football where he essentially had a pass breakup (laughs) because it was a bad throw from Zach Wilson. So he had a pass breakup, and then he caught it himself. So he... He caught his own tip drill, to put it one way. Fantastic player, great route runner. Cannot wait to see him go up against Gilmore and Trayvon Dix because that's who he's going to be lining up against, I believe, most of the time. They've got Randall Cobb as their slot receiver, the Jets do. So a favorable matchup for Dayron Bland, maybe, because Randall Cobb is not the same guy that he was before. But that's a good matchup. Garrett Wilson is... And then Brees Hall is the one other player that you should be worried about maybe with the explosive runs that he had versus the Bills. He had an 87-yard run, another one that went for 20-something. The Cowboys are not going to want to do uh, allow those big plays on the run game. I don't know what the Jets' game plan is going to be, but that's why I believe the Cowboys need to come out swinging so they can get up on front and then just worry about rushing the passer and not fall into the Jets' game which essentially they're going to want to make it ugly. They want to go into their boxing mode and slog this one out. Bloodslinger says, Bloodslinger, excuse me, says, Wild, and thank you for the comment and super chat, by the way. I, I actually have an, an audio for you guys for super chats that I hadn't been able to break out here. Here we go. How about this, that one? says, Will the Dallas aggressive pass rush allow the Jets to run the ball more effectively? That's a good question from Bloodslinger here. And it's gonna, ooh, thank you again for the comment and the donation, Mr. Bloodslinger. (laughs) That sounded weird, but still. (laughs) It can, it can backfire on the Cowboys, but that's why Dallas should care about the game script. You want this to be a Jets football team playing from behind because. Yes, the Cowboys are a very one-gap defense. Like, they're going to attack one gap. They're going to go downfield. They want to be fast. They want to make an impact right away. They're not going to 
want to react to what the offense is doing. They just want to attack their gap. So it could be that it leaves them a little bit vulnerable to those big plays, as you suggest. But I also believe that running on these Cowboys defense on a consistent basis is going to be tough too because the Cowboys look like a explosive team of the snap. So even if the narrative and the storyline all this time has been that the Cowboys are weak, defensively speaking, versus the run, the truth is in terms of efficiency, even in 2022, they were one of the best versus the run. They were a top 10 unit versus the run last year. It's just that as much as you can avoid it, you want to avoid throwing the football. So I do think as long as it's possible, the Jets are going to want to run on the Cowboys. And if they're able to do it, then it might become a fun game because suddenly you have a great defense on one side of the ball for the Jets and a team that can control the ball at least. But I don't think that you want what you would want the Cowboys to be less aggressive to avoid the Jets running on you or any other team. You want to be that team. You want to be that aggressive one-gap team. We're going after the quarterback. And yes, maybe that opens up the door for some big plays in the wrong game. But it's worth it because that's your identity. That's the aggressive unit that you want to be. Danny Savage says, no, we finished 22nd versus the run last year. I don't know if we're going by, for example, hmm, yards per game or stuff like that. But advanced metrics, and I'm a huge believer in advanced metrics. I'm a huge believer in EPA per play, success rate, and all that. The Cowboys were actually a pretty good unit versus the run, and we talked about that during the season. So it's not just hindsight, everything's good. We talked about it all during the season here on Primetime. We were like, is this unit pretty underrated? What was a problem, and I'll say this, what was a problem for the Cowboys last season was that they needed basically a heavy box to stop the, the run. And just to give you the exact numbers, last year, Cowboys were fourth in EPA per play versus a run and third best in the NFL in success rate. So they were not only not allowing those big, big plays, but they were being consistent down to down versus the run. But they did need six-man boxes, no, seven-man boxes to essentially stop the run which I believe is a huge reason why they brought Masi Smith here on the first place to be able to play light boxes more often. And in turn, that means that you're able to play with two high safeties more often, which in turn means less explosive plays in the passing game allowed too. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see a lot of two high defenses versus the Jets. We didn't versus the Giants because you were not threatened at all by the Giants passing game. <clears throat> so I don't think that we'll see that a lot versus Giants uh, versus the Jets in week two either. Let's see, though. What do you have to say here in the chat? Todd Cook says they will use screens, quick throws to offset the speed of the defense. And yes, uh, that's probably the best way that you can go about things with, with when you're dealing with Micah Parsons and company with, a, with an offensive line like the Jets and a quarterback like Zach Wilson. Which I believe, which I believe uh, makes more valuable, ma makes Micah Parsons even more valuable because if you can put Micah over the center or over the guard, 
then throwing screens is a little bit more complicated because if Micah is trying to get to the quarterback from the A-gap, that distance is, is much shorter than if he was on the edge trying to get to Zach Wilson. So that's good stuff. Let's see here, though, in the chat, we've got SLH saying, if the Jets start running the ball well, then I think Dan Quinn will adjust, and then the free fall will occur, and Dallas eventually will move past them. And that's, I think, the most likely outcome in the sense that the Cowboys are big favorites in this game. I just think that Zach Wilson is bound to throw you the football a little bit if he's forced to throw. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets basically do the same thing that that they were trying to do, that the Giants were trying to do. The Giants came out, and in the first 10 plays of the game, they run the ball nine times. The other were, uh, I mean, he had one pass attempt. Daniel Jones did. There was maybe another drop back in there that Daniel Jones uh, scrambled the football with. But, yeah, they wanted to run the football as much as possible. I would think that the Jets are going to want to do the same. Mark Aaron says, I have a feeling that Turpin runs back a punt for a touchdown. Ooh, that would be nice. Now, the Giants do have Xavier Gibson, who did have a game-winning punt return. So special teams is going to be fun to watch because they they have this guy that they raved about during training camp, preseason, already had his regular season moment. So that's going to be one of the keys to the game tomorrow night when we meet here on primetime, in my opinion. Uh, Special teams, Cowboys already had their big moments on special teams. And we broke down the play. If you didn't catch the show, you can watch it from last night. But... Now you're going up against a special teams unit that had a big play too last week. So you want to avoid them having that that uh, edge on you on Sunday. They raved about Rodgers too. How did that go? Says Toxic Tom. Oh, that was that was a little bit violent, toxic. You didn't have to go at Aaron Rodgers like that. Bloodslinger <laughs> says, do we have to worry about Sack running the ball like Daniel Jones did early in the last game? I mean, you got to account for it. I don't know if you have to worry about it all that much. You have to account for it. But I do look forward to seeing if the Cowboys end up putting a spy on him or anything like that, which at times was not the case versus the Giants. We'll see. Ladies and gentlemen, moving on a little bit here on the show. There was an addition to the injury report, man. There was one. And that was Brandon Cooks. That was Brandon Cooks. Goes into the injury report. Did not practice, quote unquote, because the Cowboys actually did not help a uh, did not hold a practice on Wednesday. But Jones was listed. Cooks, excuse me, was listed as a DNP with a knee injury. And initial reaction was, that sounds like a veteran day. After all. This is a guy that's been in the league for 10 years now. Got to be a veteran day. He took those when he was at Houston. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. But then Mike McCarthy's presser comes on, and he's messaging. Either he's trying to be secretive about stuff, or they're a little bit worried. And again, they did not practice, so it was just a projection of a way of saying, if we had practiced, then Brandon Cooks wouldn't have been on the report but oh man i i gotta say 
it seemed it sounded weird. McCarthy said he has a chance to play on Sunday, which is weird phrasing. And he said that, you know, he's doing good, has a chance to play. We'll see. So not promising, in my opinion. What do you guys think? Is it a big deal, small deal, or no deal that Brandon Cooks went into the injury report listed as he did not practice? Again, as a projection, because the Cowboys did not practice. Uh, Thursday practice is going to be the one that gives us a better idea as to what's going to be happening with the Cowboys wide receiver, who had a good game. I uh, <laughs> That's going to sound ironic. They didn't have the numbers, so... Let me rewind that. Didn't have a good, good day, but had his moments. Four than two. They run a, a trips formation. They run slants. And Brandon Cooks does a fantastic job of selling the route outside and then cutting inside, catching the football, taking the hit, which was a strong hit, keeping the football and moving the chains for the Cowboys. There was a defensive pass interference call that got the Cowboys 27 yards. So you look at that play, and it's seven-man seven man pass pro. Dak Prescott is working with Max Protect. He's going to take a shot at Brandon Cooks. Doesn't end up working uh, in terms of him actually catching the football, but it's a defensive pass interference. So he had some moments. Uh, I was interested in the fact that the Cowboys seemed to run a lot of flood, which is kind of like attacking the same side of the field, three different levels. You've got an underneath receiver, an intermediate receiver, and then probably like a go route. If you don't have a menace running the go route, the defense is not going to respect it. But Brandon Cook seemed to get a lot of respect in that area. So something to watch out for. But let's see, big deal, small deal, no deal. What do you think? Brandon Cook is on the injury report. Katharina says it's a small deal. Mark Aaron as well. No deal at this moment. Check back on Thursday, says Toxic Tom. Twist me, says major deal. Gregory with the small deal. Uh, Stephen White says, I want Brandon Cooks in the game. And I would love to see that. I would love to see Brandon versus, obviously, um, Sauce Gardner. Because I think that if you go into this game and then there's no Brandon Cooks, Sauce Gardner is on Michael Gallup, could it get a little bit complicated? Maybe it could. Uh, again, you got to hand it to the Jets. They've got a good defense, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Jalen Tolbert is exciting. We're looking forward to seeing him play a little bit more if, that, if it comes to that. But again, maybe this secondary is not exactly the team that you want to see that against. Small deal for Ines. Sebastian says no deal. Gilbert goes with the no deal. I'm going to go with the small deal. I'm going to go with the small deal because, I don't know, uh, something to monitor, as Bruce says. But it's a knee injury. You don't want that in week two of the season. I'm going to go with small deal. I agree with Toxic Tom, though. Not a lot of this will matter until tomorrow when the Cowboys actually practice. And if Brandon Cooks is a did not practice on Thursday, then I'm going to get a little bit worried. Then I'm going to get worried. So we'll see. Last but not least, I'm going to say bye to you guys with this segment. Call me crazy, but, and you got to tell me if you agree or you disagree with the take that I'm about to say, but call me crazy, 
But is Marquise Bell in the running to be a starter on the Cowboys defense? Is he in the running to maybe bench Damon Clark? What do you guys think? Let me know. Because I got to tell you, this is not an indictment on my part on Damon Clark's play. So I maybe got to watch it a little bit more carefully before providing you guys with any sort of tape of take uh, regarding Clark's play. But I can tell you, Marquise Bell had a heck of a football game on, on Sunday. And maybe this is a little bit of an overreaction. But for this to be his first game playing as a linebacker, because he had most of his snaps as a linebacker, essentially, he looked so stupidly comfortably. He looked like a veteran linebacker. There were plays where there was a lot of movement from the offense. There was a lot of traffic from his own teammates. And Marquise Bell was just sliding through gaps, making the plays, sniffing out traffic, getting to the football. Holy smokes. I was, I watched the game live and I'm obviously excited as everyone else is. You know, you can see, you can feel the impact that Marquise Bell is having on the game. But then I turn on the tape and I'm watching Bell and I'm like, how does he make that play? Doesn't even make sense. He was a safety two weeks ago. Well, what is he doing playing at this level at linebacker? Danny Savage, I'll see about the wrench. Uh, I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm too much of a boomer when it comes to the backhand side of things. <laughs> so, but I'll try, I'll try my best. Jay Recruiter says, yes, Bell was my MVP. Sebastian says, yes. SLH says, yes. Fidencio says, no, he's good, but not yet. Uh, Stephen White says, you're not crazy, but he's not taking Clark's place. Toxic Thompson's on the deal, yes, but his last two years have been, oh, I think that's about something else. Gregory says, maybe Mo Bell is a stud. Danny says, the mom bigger, he will hold up longer. Sebastian says, Bell will be starting. Morris Jackson says, I think that Bell is making a push for sure. That is a problem. The weight is the problem for sure. And you look at the Cowboys roster, and let's open it up really quickly because I'm at some point I wrote about it for ADC Sports, but I'm not going to pretend that I remember the numbers here. So you look at the weight, and Marquise Bell is listed at, let's see here. Marquise Bell is listed at 205. Ish, that's small. 205, according to the Dallas Cowboys website. That might have changed after the news that he was going to convert to linebacker, but I'm also not very convinced that he was going to have a full body transformation. Demont Clark is 240, and Van Der Esch is going to be what? Like 250, I guess 256, yes. So, Bell is definitely a very light player, but... The way that he played on Sunday night makes me think at least it's something to monitor. I would say Clark is the guy right now because he's been the guy all of the offseason. He was the guy basically last year as well at times. But still, man, still, this is a player that we've got to watch out for because he played some good football. Jay Recruiter says Queen is ahead of the NFL right now with his safeties. And yeah, there's a lot of teams that use 
there's a lot of teams that use uh, three safety looks. There's a lot of teams that get creative with that kind of stuff. But I do believe, and maybe the Bengals can be a little bit of a, of a competitor, but I wouldn't give this credit to the Bengals. I think that the Cowboys have the prototype hybrid defense that you want in the NFL. Patriots are there too, for sure. Uh, Bill Belichick has been doing hybrid weird stuff for a long time, long, long time. But the Cowboys are right up, uh, are, are up there, are up there in the discussion to be one of the best hybrid units in the league. And they've got the players too, which is the thing. They've done a tremendous job of building the thing where they've got athletes like Marquise Bell and Jaron Kears. And there's, there's got to be some level of coaching that you give the credit to too, because how I mean, one thing is that Bell has the athleticism and the tools to go from safety to linebacker, but for him to adapt that quickly, that has to show you just how good the Cowboys are also from a coaching perspective where they are teaching him how to be a linebacker in such a short period of time. Because remember, Overshone, Overshone was just injured in the preseason. This is unexpected stuff that we're going through. But yeah, that's my call me crazy of this week. Uh, we might be doing that segment a little bit more often because it might allow us for some hot takes here on the show. And that would be fun to implement as well. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for me tonight here on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. But do me a favor and tune in tomorrow night because tomorrow we have prediction show. We've got the betting pick. Last week, we went with the Cowboys spread, minus three and a half. I think they covered. I think. I might have to check again. It might have been a close game. I don't remember. But something tells me that they may be covered by like over 30 points. Something tells me. I don't know. This week's not going to be as easy. I'm just saying. I'm, <laughs> I'm not comfortable laying the points. I'm not, I'm not as, as sold on the nine and a half as I was last week with the three and a half. Uh, but we'll see. We'll talk about it tomorrow night. I have not made up my mind of what it's going to be my betting pick. But I'll see you tomorrow night. Thanks so much for tuning in. I might have more drawings tomorrow morning. Maybe. We'll see. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Do me a favor. Hit the like button. And let's get out of here. Bye-bye.